You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott, and later in the show, my co-host Jim DeRigatis and I will answer some questions from our listeners in an Ask the Critics segment. But first, in honor of it being leap year and the time of year our clocks spring forward, we're sharing our favorite songs about time. And then one day find Ten years have got behind you No one told you when to run Greg, that, of course, is the opening of Time by Pink Floyd from the Dark Side of the Moon, probably the most famous song in rock history about that subject, Time. Also, I would add, the greatest tuned rototom solo ever. (laughs) Uh, I love Nick Mason on drums there. You know, this idea of time in rock and roll, the time signature that drives rock and roll is so simple. Four, four, one, two, three, four, Mm -hmm. one, two, right? You know, but but playing with the clock and incorporating that element and thinking existentially of our time on Earth and making the Mm -hmm. most of our time and the great rock and roll credo, be here now, live for the moment, right? You know, we always have these lists of, of great topics for uh, uh, songs uh, to examine that have, uh, you know, across the genres have dived into this topic. And and time's been on the list for a long time. It's time now (laughs) to do our show about great songs about time. Yes, many, many to choose from, Jim. And I'm going to kick it off with a song by Ice Cube, the uh, great NWA uh, rapper. And Ice Cube's solo career, immediately after he left N.W.A., especially those early Ice Cube records, Mm. uh, early 90s, really strong records, powerful music, describing what it was like to be a young African-American growing up in a neighborhood like Compton, California, a ghetto run by gangs, rife with police harassment to hear N.W.A. and others talk about it on their records. This was part of the culture of the 80s that led to the L.A. riots in the early 90s, this atmosphere of violence, paranoia, and day-to-day fear uh, that led up to that rioting. Ice Cube addresses it in the song It Was a Good Day, which is basically, you know, when you talk about a song about time, he's basically taking us through a typical day that he experienced growing up in Compton. What was that day like? The song begins with him saying, just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. Thank God I'm alive to live at least a few more hours today. Not sure about what tomorrow's gonna be like, but today I've got these few hours at least that I got up in the morning and I'm alive. And it ends uh, two in the morning, got a fast food hamburger, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, And the day's a pretty good day. He's almost having this fantasy about everything's going well today. I don't have to worry about getting shot. I don't have to get worried about getting picked up by the police because of the color of my skin. I I don't have to worry about fate turning a corner and looking at a Glock. It's this kind of world that is so rare for the benefits that can be extended to a human being, the basic things that we take for granted, like having a meal, coming home safely, going to bed at night without hearing the sound of gunfire on the street corner. So Ice Cube, a very ironic look at what it was like to grow up in that neighborhood and giving thanks for surviving it day to day. So a diary-like song, It Was a Good Day, was a huge hit, had tremendous resonance in the 90s, helped build Ice Cube's solo career. But I think on another level, uh, as a song about time and speaking to the culture that young men like Ice Cube grew up in, it's still a timeless song in its own right. Ice Cube, It Was a Good Day on Sound Opinions. Just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. 
No barking from the dog, no small. And mama cooked the breakfast with no hump. I got my grub on, but didn't dig out. Finally got a call from a girl I wanna dig out. Hooked it up for later as I hit the dope. Thinking, will I live another 24? I gotta go, cause I got me a drop top. And if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light. Looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight. And everything is alright. I got a beat from Kim, and she could do it all night. Called up the homies and I'm asking y'all, which part are y'all playing basketball? Get me on the court and I'm troubled. Last week, messed around and got a triple-double. Freaking brothers every way like MJ. I can't believe today was a good day. To the pad and hit the showers Didn't even get no static from the cowards Cause just yesterday them booze tried to blast me Saw the police and they rolled right past me No flexing, didn't even look in a brother's direction As I ran the intersection Went to show dog's house They was watching your MTV raps What's the haps on the craps? Shake em up, shake em up, shake em up, shake em Roll em in a circle of homies and watch me break em it was a good day from Ice Cube on Sound Opinions, a song about time. What do you got first for us, Jim? Greg, I've been on a bit of an XTC kick lately, really rediscovering those perfect power pop albums that that group made. I'm going to go a little uh, left of XTC, though, for their alter ego band, the Dukes of Stratosphere. The Dukes of Stratosphere was the the costume, much like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, that XTC put on in 1985. They released a mini-album on April Fool's Day, appropriately enough, initially not saying it had any connection to the group. People figured it out soon enough. The psychedelic Beatles of Revolver, of Sgt. Pepper's, bands more obscure than that like The Creation, and of course the Sid Barrett Pink Floyd had always been huge influences on XTC. And this was that band having some fun. You know, XTC, despite the effervescence of so much of the music, was not a fun band. Andy Partridge suffered from agoraphobia and horrible stage fright. It ended the group's touring career. You know, his bandmates, Dave Gregory and Colin Moulding, sort of resented that, and Andy was a bit of a dictator, you know, always always setting the terms for the recordings. They had worked with Todd Rundgren and not gotten along because nobody told Andy Partridge what to do. But here, they were goofing around. I think that the title title of the mini-album, 25 O'Clock, is the best thing they did as the Dukes of Stratosphere, in part because psychedelic rock is especially obsessed with time, all right? One of the things, so I've read, uh, about the psychedelic experience is the elongation and then the speeding up of time. The clock no longer ticks the way you think it's going to. Of course, there is no 25 O'Clock, and the maudlin sort of melancholy part of the song comes in that Andy Partridge is singing about 20 25 o'clock is when you're going to be mine. That's when we'll be together till the end of time. He's he's longing after this woman who is finally going to be his. He's going to realize his his dreams of love at 25 o'clock, except it's never going to be 25. Right? What, what a perfect pop song. Here's the Dukes of Stratosphere on Sound Opinions.
That was the Dukes of Stratosphere, XTC in disguise with 25 o'clock. Good stuff, Jim. When we come back, we're going to tick through some more of our favorite songs about time. And later, we'll answer a few questions from our listeners in another Ask the Critics segment. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. But you should back so join me home. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And we are running down, we're rocking around the clock, Greg, running down some of our favorite songs of all time on the subject of time. What do you got next? Jim, classic theme about time uh, throughout rock and roll, this whole notion of rebelling against the man, you know, rebelling against the guy you work for, looking forward to the weekend, you know? Monday rolls around, and the only thing you can really think about is how am I going to get to Friday, Yeah, you know? On the work week, so many songs have been written about. I think one of the best was written by an Australian band called the Easy Beats in the 60s. What they were doing here... The guys in these Australian rock bands, when you talk to them about cutting their teeth on the Australian pub scene, they said there is no single place more raucous on earth, it seems, than an Australian pub around closing time at the factory at 5 o'clock because everybody's ready to celebrate. Everybody's ready to explode as the weekend hits. And I think the Easy Beats were coming out of that environment. Written by the two main songwriters in the band, George Young and Harry Vanda, ACDC fans will recognize those names. Those two fellows produced the early ACDC records in the 70s. In fact, George Young was the older brother of Angus and Malcolm Young in ACDC. Prior to that, he was in the Easy Beats and co-wrote this great song. What I love about this song is the almost the sadness, if not the despair, that you feel in some of those early verses. They, they, they're kind of draggy, and you sort of feel the inertia of starting that work week again. Mm-hmm. Here I am dragging myself out of bed to go to work. And then as they get towards Friday, the chorus starts to ascend. Those guitars start to drive. You can feel and hear the exuberance in their voices, and it perfectly encapsulates that mood of anticipation that comes over you as the weekend draws closer. Easy Beats with Friday on My Mind on Sound Opinions. Monday morning feels so bad Everybody seems to nag me Coming Tuesday I feel better Even my old man looks good Wednesday just don't go
Friday on my mind from the Easy Beats on Sound Opinions. Uh, another great song about time, Jim. What have you got? I got to say first that you, you were very eloquent in that. But we are rock critics. We often work on the weekend. I don't that know is if true. Friday means the same yeah. to us. I'm going to stay on the psychedelic tip, Greg, and I'm going to play. I think a song that represents the greatest use of cowbell in all of popular music history. Wow, high praise indeed. As well as just just rhythmically, percussively, one of my favorite songs of all time, the Chambers Brothers' Time Has Come Today. The entire song, you know, has this this unstoppable march of time. The clock will not stop ticking <laughs> and moving forward sort of feel to it. And it is perhaps the single best example of psychedelic soul. Had a tortured history, recorded originally in 1966, at which point it was well, well ahead of its time, you know, before the first big psychedelic flowering. And then it's on an album in 1967 called The Time Has Come, but it doesn't become a hit single until 1968. Since that point, has been used in a million soundtracks. Anybody who wants to sort of capture the turbulence, weirdness, times they are a changing feel of the 60s era, it seems to turn to the Chambers Brothers. Again, I think it's the inventiveness of playing with the way in an altered reality time seems to shift. There is that long midsection in the album version that goes off on this psychedelic jam and everything starts to seem as if you're moving underwater. And then we have a little bit of Little Drummer Boy thrown in, right? You know, and then it comes back to that insistent bomb, 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 bomb with the cowbell. Time has come today. My love has flown away. My tears have come and gone. And my, my favorite line of just all time, right? The way the two brothers, you know, wrote the song, Willie and Joe Chambers, the way one of them says, my soul has been psychedelicized. <laughs> That's like the motto of my life. Here's the Chambers Brothers. Time has come today on Sound Opinion.
Time Has Come Today from the Chambers Brothers on Sound Opinions. A great song about time. I love the comment about uh, Cowbell Jim, uh, Christopher Walken, is saying, man, I, I should have played on that I know, song I know. as well. I, I, more <laughs> importantly, has your soul been psychedelicized, <laughs> Greg Gott? Not lately. I'm, I'm, I, I think it needs a, an overhaul, a psychedelic overhaul. The Roots are my next choice for a band that produced a great song about time. In fact, I think in some ways their Undone album from uh, 2011 was a meditation on how we use our time, among other things. It's basically about the life of a drug dealer. It, it works in reverse, a concept album. The drug dealer meets a bad end. The song I'm going to play, though, called The Other Side, deals with this whole notion of how we use our very short time on Earth. I think one of the subtexts of this song is that the subject of the song, the, the focus of the album, this drug dealer, realizes that his life is, on Earth is going to be very short because of the kind of business that he's in, because of the fact that he's an African-American in a tough community, in a big city. So he's going to go out and go down in flames. He is not going to spend his life wallowing in self-pity and denying himself all the great things that he could possibly get his hands on when drug dealing makes that a whole lot easier. So there's many levels to this song, but it really comes down to this idea of Time is short. Our, our life is short. How are you best going to use it? And he goes out. He says, if I'm going to hell, I'm going to make an entrance at the very least. He's not worried about the afterlife. But then there's this other voice in the song saying, you know, there's going to be payback in this afterlife. Just be aware of how you conduct yourself, you know, here and now is going to have consequences later on. It may be in the way you end your life. It may also be in the afterlife. It's The Roots with The Other Side on Sound Opinions. Yeah, we obviously need to tone it down a bit. Run around town, spending time like it's counterfeit. Everybody catching hay fever like sinuses. Step in my arena, let me show y'all who the highness is. You might say I could be doing something positive. Humble head down low and broke like promises. Soaking and broken in a joke like comics is. Not enough paper to be paying folks compliments. But when that paper got low, so did my tolerance. And it ain't no truth in it there without the consequence. Listen. If not for these hood inventions, I'll be just another kid from the block with no intentions. On a dock at that bay, serving a life sentence. Even if I'm going to hell, I'm going to make an entrance, yeah. Let them know I'm getting cheese like Omelis is. But I'm the toast of the town like Thomas From the past, we no longer have an image of carrying cold blooded hearts that never been for love. Brothers keep going for theirs, but never get enough. World travelers that seen it all and did enough, only to return and learn the world wasn't big enough. Damn, how long has it been? I guess the jig is up. Now, all I know is I'm about to wake this again up. Yeah, that hindsight, 2020, now it's dead on the money. Try to take something from me, it's a rap like a mummy undone. I am becoming, and when he's tired of running through the layers of the onion, he'll probably shed a tear, cause there'll be no more fast times. Just as we minds fold out like a bad sign, he never had enough and got confused when they asked why. Life is only a moment of time, and it passed by. 
That is The Roots with The Other Side on Sound Opinions. We're talking about great songs about the concept of time. Jim, what do you got next? I've got an existential question for you next, Greg. Who knows where the time goes? (laughs) I'll tell you who knew. Sandy Denny, the wonderful lead singer through the early period of Fairport Convention. I'm going to get much more melodic now, much more folky. Fairport Convention, of course, probably the most important band from the British Isles on the folk rock scene. Richard Thompson has been a guest on Sound Opinions, the incredible guitarist of that group. But Sandy Denny, what a voice. Mm -hmm. It was on the third album, 1969, on Half Bricking, when she began to assert herself as a a songwriter. You know, originally, Fairport Convention had started with uh, slightly electrified versions of British Isle folk songs. Then they began to emerge as songwriters in their own right. And Sandy Denny, what a master piece this tune is. You know, if one measure of a song's enduring worth is the people who've covered it, listen to this list. 10,000 Maniacs, Nina Simone, Judy Collins, Nancy Griffith, Susanna Hoffs and Matthew Sweet, Sinead O'Connor. I think that speaks to the strength of this song and the timelessness. You know, time is an existential issue. (laughs) You know, how much have we got? Have we used it wisely? How much do we have left? We're always asking ourselves these questions, and I think Sandy Denny does it most poetically and most beautifully on this song. Here it is, Who Knows Where the Time Goes by Fairport Convention on Sound Opinions. Across the evening sky All the birds are leaving But how can they know Time for them to go Fairport Convention and the incredible Sandy Denny giving us who knows where the time goes. Now that we've shared some of our favorite songs about the fourth dimension, it's your turn. What's your favorite song about time? Call us at 888-859-1800 and share your opinion. When we come back, we're going to wrap up our songs about time, and we'll also answer a new batch of burning questions from our listeners. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. We are running out of time, Mr. Cott, but we have time for one more song each about time. What have you got? Jim, I've got one of fairly recent vintage. I think one of the best songwriters of the last 10 years is a songwriter by the name of Sharon Van Etten. 
She has produced a number of really fine albums, and she has this rep as being somewhat uh, uh, tending towards the dark side on her recordings, Uh, not real happy songs in general. Some people say she has an almost fatalistic kind of tone to some of these songs. And this is in particular one that, you know, if you just listen to the chorus, you get the idea that she's in the same territory. Every time the sun comes up, I'm in trouble. This is a track called Every Time the Sun Comes Up from her 2014 album, Are We There? But if you listen to the song more closely, there's a lot more going on here. It is basically, in the tradition of Ice Cube's It Was a Good Day, we're we're basically talking about a diary here, what happened today. This particular song was basically written and recorded on the final day of recording for this Are We There album. And the band was kind of in a giddy mood. They they sleep-deprived. They've been working really hard. They were in this mood of celebrating, but there was still a little bit of work to be done. And Sharon gets up on the microphone and starts improvising lyrics about what they did today. And you get this fascinating mix of emotions. You know, this, this whole notion that a day isn't comprised of one mood, but many often conflicting emotions. You know, you're talking about these highs, these lows, and in the in-betweens, there's the mundane, the profane, the humorous, the dark. I mean, humor. We often don't associate that with Sharon Van Etten, but she gets in some lines here, and I can't repeat them on the radio, but they involve a kitchen and a bathroom that are just absolutely hilarious. You know, these daily activities that we go through and just kind of this very realistic uh, look at what a typical day looks like. You ever ever think back on what you did today and go, man, there was there were some you know things yeah, here yeah. that didn't quite go together. How, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sharon Van Etten kind of gets at that idea here, and I think it's a brilliant song for that reason. Every time the sun comes up, from Sharon Van Etten on Sound Opinions. Sharon Van Etten with Every Time the Sun Comes Up, Greg Cott's last great song about time for this show. You can go back in time in our archives and listen to when Sharon was a guest on Sound Opinions. Greg, I've saved, I think, my favorite of this batch for last. I've loved all these songs, though. Time is a good topic. We could, we could take time and do this every <laughs> time. Richard Hell and the Voidoids, Time. Richard Hell debuted in 1977 with one of the all-time greatest, most timeless punk 
rock albums, Blank Generation, the song, the album, beginning to end, a perfect punk rock record. On the artier spectrum, he'd of course been kicked out of television, had dabbled with Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, then forms this band, The Voidoids, the secret weapon being Robert Quine on guitar. Amazing. The album doesn't connect in the way that the Ramones or the Patti Smith group or the Talking Heads did of that initial New York punk explosion, and it takes hell several years to follow up. The second Voidoids album is not released until 1982, Destiny Street. By that time, only Robert Quine is still in the band. He has a new group, new drummer, new bassist, new other guitarist. What was he doing? Uh, Well, partly he was doing a lot of drugs, and he wasn't in great shape. But also, this song, I think, addresses that. Time is not something that can be rushed. You, You move on the clock that you are given, right? Only time can write a song that's really, really real is the line that comes around again and again in this song. You know, Hell was a poet. There's a lot of profundity in this silly little simple folk song. The Voidoids moved fast and hard with a jazzy noise rock bent in terms of the solos with Robert Quine on guitar, but they were a punk band. They hit hard. Drummer on that first album was Mark Bell, later Marky Ramone. This is a completely different sort of song. Mm. This is like a, a folk tune, you know, from the Greenwich Village scene of the 60s. And, you know, the other line that really always sticks with me, it seems you see the most of what is really true only when you're stepping into the hearse. Mm -hmm. There's a cheery thought. You finally get life right, right about when it's time to die. Wow. Richard Hell and the Voidoids, time on Sound Opinions. Richard Hell and the Voidoids with Time, Jim DeRigatis' final pick for a great song about time, and you can find our complete list for songs about time at soundopinions.org. Uh, uh, uh. Question, tell me what you think about me. A few weeks ago, we answered the first batch of listener questions regarding our musical tastes, how to become a critic, and a lot more. That's episode 742, if you want to go back. Now we're back with more responses to your inquiries. Let's start by hearing from some listeners. Hi, Tim and Greg. This is Kim from out in Hoffman Estates, and I was wondering if you've ever been in a major fight over a musical disagreement. If yes, we obviously want all the details. You, of course, generally work well together, but there has to be something from behind the scenes you can tell us. Where do we start, Jim? I feel like we've answered this before. You know, we famously disagree about Bruce Springsteen.
Yes. We, we infamously disagree about David Bowie. And they would not be on my arms, okay? They yes. would not get to. All right. But I went back yesterday. I, uh, you know, I'm teaching review in the arts this semester, and I'm trying to introduce the importance of using the right adjectives, adverbs, descriptive phrases in doing a good critique of whatever art form you love. And I play my students that video we made. It's a decade old. You and I were reviewing a fiery furnace. Oh, album. yeah, yeah. Even in the rain. Now, I hated Fiery Furnaces, and you love them. I, I love Eleanor Friedberger's solo music. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm sorry, Eleanor. I, I will never be a, a Fiery Furnaces convert, but I love the records you've made since she's been on the show as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a great fight, and it really just illustrates how, you know, there's no wrong or right in, in art, in right. judging art, in being a critic. It gives me a headache. <laughs> and although the emerging consensus in the critical blogosphere is that this is their pop record, I defy you to hum any one of these tunes, even the ones that are two and a half minutes long from beginning to end. It's impossible. It's slippery. It's annoying. It's precious. <laughs> it's, it's, I, it just, I hate this record, okay? This is a trash it record. You're so wrong. You're, you're just wrong. You know, th- th- this is a, uh, if, th- if there's a great pop record to be heard this summer, uh, I think that Phoenix record is one, and this is the other one. I mean, I, I think there's just a nonstop cavalcade of melodies on this record. I wasn't going to change your mind. You weren't going to change mine. But the students are kind of like wide-eyed as they see two critics disagree about something, fiery furnaces, and have two completely different takes on one piece of art. Yeah, and some of these are built in for decades. I mean, you know, we've argued about Tom Waits, Jeff Buckley, Radiohead, early Radiohead. I think you've started to come around. No, I am a a convert. I I learned to stop worrying and love the York voice. Right, right. And your passion, your unhealthy relationship, I might add, with like artists like Jethro Tull and Genesis. Genesis. I mean, there's, there's are some great things about Genesis, but you love it all, and I'm just like, come no, on, the Phil all. Collins. No, no, I'm, oh I'm, I'm with them up to, and then there were three, yeah. and then and then it's only Spotty, and then Meatloaf, and then yeah, PM Dawn. Yeah. You know, those PM are things Dawn. that we disagree on. PM Dawn is a very, very, very important band. They never really kind of. Uh, you know, lived up to my hype uh, as the future of music. Yes, yeah, I would yeah, agree yeah. with that. No, but I think the only ones that have really gotten vehement have been Springsteen and 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 Bowie. And there's yeah. another that I won't even mention because I don't want to be that mean. That's <laughs> uh, I I was ready to like like strangle you on that one, but I'm not going there. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Daniel from Fairfield, Connecticut. I was wondering how you feel that being in Chicago rather than music industry hubs like New York, L.A., or Nashville affects the show. Oh, man, let me count the ways. Every every possible uh, you, way imaginable. You and I have been to every one of those cities and many yes. more that consider themselves musical hubs. I got to tell you, the best we live in the best music city in the world. Yes. No disintended for anybody else. No. They all have great scenes. But if you are bored with music in Chicago, you probably are in the wrong field because the variety of music venues, the indie labels, the music festivals, big and small in the summer... The great support network of fans who go out in mm-hmm. sub-zero weather to see shows in this town religiously. It is just a great creative uh, environment for great music to be made. And, you know, we've been proven over and over again right by the decades of creativity coming out of here. Not necessarily in the national or international spotlight, but inevitably influencing all of the great music uh, that occurs around the world. A lot of it started here in Chicago. You know, I think that's to me, is what's so exciting about it. And I think it has fed 
our creativity uh, and our desire to do a show like this. Well, you know, I think what Daniel was getting at is without the industry hype, right? Uh, Chicago, the cliche, the city that works, right? right? You can do work here. You can create. You yes. can live reasonably. Believe me, having grown up across the river from Manhattan, going to college in Manhattan, you know, it's really hard to be a garage band in a city where it costs $800 a month to rent a garage space. All right. That's the reason bands come here. Yeah. You know, you can live here and you can create your arts. It's the same with storefront theater and and, uh, comedy and and cooking, culinary arts. Art galleries. uh, Everything. Um, But, you know, there's this saying. It's a Jersey saying, but I think it's a Chicago uh, mantra. You know, we don't take to people here who think who they are. No. Right? We don't want nobody who thinks who they are. So there's there's this ability to create, uh, and there's not the pretension mm-hmm. uh, that you get in the industry cities. There, there was a great New York Times article about a decade ago now where they broke down the house right. at a mid-sized venue. I think it was Irving Plaza, about 1,100 yeah. people, right? And fully like 70% of the house were industry comps, mm-hmm. right? So you're not seeing music yeah, with right. real people. Right. You know, whereas when you and I would go to Metro, capacity 1100, you know, you and me are on the guest list as two daily newspaper critics. Right. And maybe there's a, there's three or four or five other writers and DJs. Right. And then there's 979 real people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It, and, and every show was like that, it seemed like. Um, that I can't say enough about uh, the grassroots nature of the scene here, the beauty of the independence and how that creates an environment where people can create without, as you said, feeling any pressure from anybody to say, no, you gotta, you got to spiff this up so some radio station will play it. Nobody thought about that that way in Chicago. Hi, Greg. Hi, Jim. Uh, my name is Raquel. I'm Brazilian. I live in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I love your show. So I have a question for you. I remember that when I was a kid, all TV series had a theme song. But nowadays, I noticed that some series use pop music not as a theme song but during certain scenes so my question is how does pop music contribute to the narrative of a scene on a tv series raquel that's a great question i love it my favorite on tv right now is peaky blinders the hbo series about a family of irish gangsters who have this decades-long grip on everything from the drug trade to local politics, and you're thinking it's a really dark, violent, there's a brutality in it, but there's also a poignance as well. They, they really dig deep into what these characters are going through. And Nick Cave's uh, Red Right Hand, right from the first episode, <laughs> sort of set the theme. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. I go, wait a minute, this initial series is set in the 20s. It goes through the decades between the, the two world wars. And you're thinking, okay, this, this Nick Cave song is a little bit time-wise it doesn't fit or shouldn't. But it actually worked incredibly well. And the rest of the music in the series has of a similar kind of ilk and similar kind of era where he's, they're transplanting these modern songs that seem to speak to what's happening on the screen and in the character's mind in this really intuitive way. Uh, this artist, Anna Calvi, has been a big mm-hmm. part of the show. Her music, P.J. Harvey, uh, Idols, a band that I love. A lot of David Bowie's Black Star mm-hmm. uh, really fits in. Savages 
one of our favorite oh, bands, wow. has, has had music Enough there. Said. So they, they do a wonderful job of incorporating music. Well, I think, first of all, you and I ought to go visit Raquel in uh, Brazil mm-hmm. and check out Brazilian TV. I'm, I'm game for that vacation. Sure. Uh, but, but Raquel, this is something we've talked about a few times on the show. Uh, 506 and episode 503 and 673, we've had different music supervisors on. We've had different uh, showrunners on talking about their use of music. I'm going to the UK as well. Mm-hmm. The End of the Bleeping World, which is a British dark comedy, two seasons in already, about two teens, and one of them may be a psychopathic killer, mm-hmm. but it's also a touching love story. Yeah. Like Peaky Blinders, which I had on my list, but I don't love the show as much. They are making extraordinary use of great pop songs, Buzzcocks and Kinks and Scott Walker, Fontella Bass. even, mm-hmm. right? And original music, in this case, composed by one of my favorite guitarists uh, of the last 20, 30 years, Graham Coxon mm-hmm. of Blur, who is in pure Sid Barrett mode. Walking all day with my mind on fire, I can't stop thinking of you. Walking all day with my mind on fire, that's what I gotta do. So th- there's two answers for you, both from the UK, Raquel. Now let's hear a question from one of our producers, Andrew Gill. From Dan Lopresti, he asks, What are the origins of the Eno Bell? Explain the Brian Eno ding. I know Eno at a general level is the ding and name dropping thing. Well, I think, you know, Dan, our current production staff, they haven't quite uh, gotten to the point where they uh, are, are readily making fun of us all the time. Uh, <laughs> but Jason and Robin, our original producers who were with us a good 10 or 11 years, were so sick of hearing me mention Brian Eno that they first joked about and then made a reality of uh, a little alarm that went off every single time I mentioned that name. Why would I mention that name so often? I think Brian Eno is the most eloquent philosopher of the art of using the studio as a creative instrument in and of itself in the last half century. written a lot about, he has talked a lot about, he has put this in practice, producing people from the Talking Heads to uh, David Bowie. The way that great popular music is made, utilizing uh, the recording studio as something that, that you can create something that doesn't exist in real time, that only exists in the space between the headphones, and then being open to things like happy accidents. Sometimes you screw something up, and that's the best thing that ever happened. So I'm always dropping his name because he's, he's so ubiquitous <laughs> in popular music. Um, you know, he, he famously also produced U2, and he made the point that the Joshua Tree, in its first hour of release, sold more than everything else he'd ever done in his career. Right, right. But he sees himself as that one super special spice that can be added to any dish that suddenly brings it somewhere else. Yeah, his whole thing with U2 was take out everything that sounds like U2. Oh, 
start over, boys. Force you to be creative. Right. So I guess what Jason and Robin were saying with the Eno Belt is, Jim, you've talked about him before. Go somewhere new. All the time. I guess I'm stuck <laughs> in a rut. We have dinner at South by Southwest with some of our friends, and they'll kick me under the table when Eno's name comes up. Or, secondly, Lester Banks. (sighs) Yeah, well. (laughs) But the world still doesn't appreciate them enough. we love you for it. Now let's hear a question from another listener read by another of our producers, Ayana Contreras. Ben Gart wants to know, have you ever talked about your own adventures in creating and performing music? Have you, Mr. Cott? (laughs) (laughs) I don't try to. I don't necessarily talk about it much, but um, I studied classical piano for eight years when I was a kid, and I got pretty, pretty good at it. But I wasn't playing for, you know, it's not something you tour behind. You know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. it's kind of a private undertaking. You get better at something, and but then you know, each year, my piano teacher was an excellent teacher, um, which would trot us out, and we would do a recital. And these things got bigger and bigger, and before you know it, you're playing at a mini concert hall. And, you know, I grew up in upstate New York, Syracuse. And, uh, you know, there's a few hundred people there. And they're watching this person who's semi-competent and playing classical music do a solo piano recital. And I never remember being more nervous in my (laughs) life. I I had a a piece by this uh, Norwegian composer, Edvard Grieg. And I remember the page being black with notes. I remember being able to play it very well by memory. You know, I had to memorize it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember getting up on stage, and, I, and my, the only thought in my head was, I want to get this over as fast as possible. I cannot possibly bear to be up here more than a wow. second longer than I wanted to be. Wow. It wasn't like I was enjoying the moment. It was like nerve-wracking. I wanted to be perfect, and I wanted to do it right. So I did a double-time version of Edvard Grieg. I did a, <laughs> I did a, I did a Ramones on Grieg. Oh, you man. Know? But oh. uh, what can I tell you? You know, it's not, performing was not in my blood, but um, I, loved, I loved music. I knew that. And, and writing about music was something that I really loved to do, and that's how we sort of evolved into that. Well, we've been doing this show, and I've never been able to get you to play a piano or even farfisa on <laughs> anything. There's one picture of a drunken Greg Cott at the end of a book release party of yours yeah. uh, at a piano at the hideout, uh, but you weren't actually playing. You were, uh, I, This breaks my heart. I, I have always made music uh, since age 13. I have. See, I'm not a musician. I'm a drummer. Mm-hmm. All right? <laughs> And I don't talk about it because it seems self-indulgent. I think the thing that critics get, like teachers, is those who can't do criticize, those mm. who can't do teach. No. Um, I've, 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 there's probably, I didn't count them intentionally, because if you want to go out there and use Wikipedia and the Google yeah. machine, you will find the music I've made. Uh, some of it's on Spotify, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I've made probably a dozen albums with about five or six different bands. I've toured Europe. I've toured the uh, United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, some big venues, you know, Variety Arts Center and the old Ritz in New York City mm-hmm. as the opening act, granted. Um, I think that knowing the life of a musician uh, from being inside making records and touring has made me a better critic. If anything, it's made me harsher. Yeah. Right? If you can, can't can just as soon imagine not eating or breathing <laughs> as making your music get out of the way. Right. That having been said, you know, it's fine as a hobby, right? I've never wanted to be a professional musician because that involves touring. And touring involves, when you're at the level I've always been at, indie, underground, yeah. punk rock, sleeping on somebody's floor, and invariably you wake up with a cat on your yeah, face. Yeah, or there's a cat box right next there's to you. There's a cat yeah. box. And I am so deadly allergic I can't breathe or yeah. see my eyes and throat. And, and I, it's wonderful that people pay it forward 
weird in the punk tradition and allow bands to crash on their floor. Yeah. I just wish they didn't have a cat. I, I never wanted to be a full-time musician. I'm making music today. I put out an album last year on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And I ain't going to brag about it because that's not why I do it. I do it because I love making music. Because it's music. fun. Yeah. That wraps up our latest Ask the Critic segment. And now we want to hear from you. What question do you have for us for when we do this again? Call our hotline at 888-859-1800 and leave us a message. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we are going to share some of our favorite songs about animals. I hope I'm not allergic. (laughs) You can download Sound Opinions wherever you get your podcast thingies. The show is produced, as always, by Brendan Banisak, Alex Claiborne, Iana Contreras, and Andrew Gill. Touchdown in Texas, land in Dallas, Fort Worth. I will call you up and wake you from your sleep. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic, so give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hi, this is Jim from Cleveland. I was pleased to hear that... Greg likes to listen to Thelonious Monk. But then I was also perplexed how if you like Thelonious Monk, there's never been a discussion on this show on the great music of NRBQ. And every time I think about what might happen, I jump in my car and start riding again. And I can't find no true love, oh baby, it's so hard. And I still think about you every time I ride in my car. May your desert island be taken over by a tsunami until riding in my car, or I want you bad, ends up on the island. Great show. Keep up the good work. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Rick from Mooresville, North Carolina. I always look forward to your guys' deep dives into uh, artists or individual albums, and I thought the recent King Crimson retrospective was exceptional. Also, thanks for remembering the passing of Mandy Gill of Gang of Four. Hopefully one day you'll do a retrospective on them as well. And finally, when it comes to musicians and film roles, I was really surprised that nobody mentioned Dwight Yoakam's performance in Sling Blade. Stop, no. Frankie, you be quiet. We're talking. Adults are talking. So was you in lockup for cutting someone up with a hatchet or something? And that character was creepy and totally unlikable. So I realize that's probably not going to be anybody's favorite performance, but it certainly was a memorable and impressive performance. So thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. Hi, my name is Rick, and there's an album I really like by a band called Delay in Orbit. 
It's called On Motion, Light, and Sound. They kind of sound like Duster or like Low or like other uh, bands in the sort of slow core 90s lo-fi era. Check them out. Delay in orbit. Hi, my name is Dan. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I was calling to clue you into a band from Frederick, Maryland, in the western part of the state called Kenny Husband, also known as Mr. Husband, also known as Kenny Husband and the Husky Section. They're, I would say, equal parts Beach Boys, uh, definitely kind of indie pop. I strongly wanted to recommend, I think particularly for Jim and Greg, uh, this is going to be a band that speaks to a lot of the kinds of, of music that you guys seem to enjoy. Uh, I can't get enough of the two EPs, Silver Tone and Punk Rock Hairdo, a song Dream Driver, just very, very beautiful music. It is great and just deserves a much wider audience uh, than I think they've probably gotten up to this point. That's it. Thanks for everything you, you guys do. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.